Previously on 94 Chill, the podcast. From Touchstone Pictures. Twas the night before Christmas, but in the land of Halloween, it was decided that this year something new would be seen. Surprised, aren't you? From Tim Burton, the director of Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands, comes a motion picture experience unlike any other. Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. And what did Santa bring you, honey? Rated PG. Coming this month to a theater near you. Welcome back to 90 for Chill, the podcast. This week, my guest is one of the uh, frequent returners. Hasn't been so frequent of late, but that would be Allie of Allie's Accessory Shop on Etsy's Trash Feature Reviews, uh, Allison Higgins. And with the uh, spooky season upon us, um, I know she's not exactly an expert in horror, so we'll just go with the, uh, they call it Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, which I think we can get to some debating. I know it was his story, and I think it was a book before that. Um, but yeah, we'll go over the feature that's on Disney Plus, uh, lumped together with Hocus Pocus. I don't know how exactly you feel about that one, Allie. It's funny. It's definitely a classic Halloween ep- movie. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's just it's a classic. It was just way too obnoxious. Bette Mittler and Sarah Jessica Parker right in the trailers. It just looks like, okay, so we're setting the template for what Freeform is going to be. I don't know. Maybe we should have more Christian programming on the former family channel. <laughs> Like the old days. Um, instead of just the, I don't know, obnoxious. I can't say the effects look good in the, I mean, everybody was doing a talking cat around that t- in the 90s. I mean, you know, it didn't look that much better than whatever was on Sabrina. So I don't know. So it's just like, I know the poetic critic, uh, the big sis uh that's the poetic critic on letterbox uh is not a fan of uh hocus pocus either and she's probably actually seen it <laughs> me i just can't get past the obnoxious nature nature of like if you haven't seen hocus pocus you can't judge bad midler and sarah jessica parker a good one i no, you can't. It, it's like people who keep telling me, oh, you got to at least get to the third movie in Harry Potter before you can judge it. And it's like, okay, no, I didn't dig the first movie. Why am I going to sit around another, <laughs> another four, another five hours so it gets good? You can't get me, <laughs> you, you can't get me in on the trailer. And no. No, it's like every moment of Bette Mittler and Sarah Jessica Parker that I've seen from that feature is just, oh, God, awful. Never mind. No, I'm not even going to go. What? I'm more than familiar with the spell on you number. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. That, that totally just pisses on the original. And I mean, I know he's kind of a persona non grata, but 
so many of my 90s heroes are now. Uh, Marilyn Manson had a great cover that was used in at least three or four early, uh, late, late 90s, early 2000s movies. So, um, yeah, it's just like, okay, if I flip it on, if I flip on and I see anything, it's like, oh gosh, this is absolute bollocks. I, I, I'm not going to go and watch it from the beginning. <laughs> I mean, it, it, Hocus Pocus is giving us, I think it's going to be on, if my older sister was correct, um, I'm still trying to figure out what to do with the audio for that one that I uh, skipped to dedicate an entire 10 minutes to talking about how you should kill dogs in movies. Um, I, I saw that one, yeah, or heard that one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sorry to... Sorry to bring up the coke. I know that's pretty pretty immediately after Koki, but <laughs> like, yeah, Alex's dog should have died. That would get her mind in the right place. Um, flash dance, which again, there now that I keep talking about stuff that I had that conversation with my older sister, it's like, yeah, maybe I should have just released that. Um, so still figuring out what to do with that. I don't necessarily. I think it's a little big for a bonus, but. I'm sure I can cut out the dog talk in that one. Um, But she was telling me that Hocus Pocus is going to be part of 31 days of Halloween on Freeform, which I said. Well, of course. 10. You mean to tell me you don't think that's in the top 31 Halloween movies of all time? If you really want to stop and look at movies, you would relate to Halloween. Like, I'm sorry if Ernest Scared Stupid <laughs> gets better. It feels like a better movie to me. No, it shouldn't be on ten times. That really just shows you how narrow the the um, Disney Halloween archive is. I mean, you have like, why don't you just go and dedicate like those. Uh, Disney cartoons I end up buying like Mickey's Christmas Carol like okay I get my 30 minute movie and then I get you know an out half hour worth of snow related Disney cartoons like you can't do that you can't just show uh the adventures of Ichabod Crane and then like and throw Mickey Mouse doing some Halloween crap like <laughs> You know, that at least knock it down to five times. Like, I mean, when you look at what AMC, and I don't even know without cable right now, um, I mean, they had their 31 days of Halloween. And yeah, I know stuff got repeated, but uh, Freeform being basically Disney light, they're not going to show you Halloween. So how does Freeform work? No, freeform. Freeform is just a channel on the um, on the on cable. It was uh, originally the Family Channel, which was primarily a means for the uh, uh, televangelists to have a bigger platform. And oh. like the Seven Hundred Club is the big thing that was on Freeform uh, on the Family Channel, and then. Uh-huh then they got purchased by Disney and they called it ABC family. And then they just probably bought a bigger stake and now it's free form. So it's just 
basically um not really not really any different than the disney channel just a little more options i guess for them but what are they doing for the halloween for the 31 days of halloween well they're showing hocus pocus 10 times uh otherwise like I think, in a day or like i don't know in about in, i don't know about in a day i think 10 times during the 31 days and oh. then they'll probably show halloween town all these things that i think you and i are too old for just because like <laughs> whatever well no i say that is in like Somebody asked at work another coworker, "What's your favorite Halloween movie?" Oh, I'd probably have to say Halloween Town, and it's like, no, it's not a movie to begin with. That's, I mean, ninety for chill is very, like, on the podcast I listen to called Screen Drafts. They have what they call, um, the Mooch Rule, which was a rule designed basically whenever they do these drafts, you can't do made for video, made direct to video or made for TV. It's based on a dog draft. They were doing best movies with dogs. And there was a movie that was thrown in there called Mooch goes to Hollywood, which I think Vincent price was in. If I, if I've heard enough about this movie, (laughs) but it was made directly to TV. So now they made a rule basically saying, Nope, you can't pull that shit on that show anymore. (laughs) unless otherwise agreed upon between the two drafters. I know the Stuart, Gor- Stuart Gordon draft um, patron saint of this uh, podcast uh, who did movies like reanimator and uh, uh, castle freaks. Uh, another classic castle freak was made for uh direct video for the uh, cut for charles band's full moon features they're the guys who did all the puppet master movies which you um at the suggestion of your fiance bought me so yeah yeah i mean i tried to watch critters uh i was thinking about buying critters today and it's like ah i think i need company for little monsters (laughs) like it took me 30 years to get over gremlins you know um what do you mean get over Oh, I was scared, scared, like those things scared the hell out of me. Like, um, all I can say about, you know, they just, okay. They can multiply. They, I was afraid of the dark as a kid and it wasn't because of gremlins, but that didn't help me once I finally watched a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So they only come out at night. Like, uh, Stripe is absolutely terrifying. I mean, he's got a sense of humor, but you really got to. Yeah, you got to be, you know, if you're as a, I mean, I was scared poopless at 12. My parents wouldn't let me watch it at four, obviously. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. It it scared me too, but Alien was worse for me. Alien? Uh, Well, Alien is definitely, are you talking the 1979, the original? I mean, there's. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it was well, on HBO all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, that's but that's an R-rated movie. Uh, Gremlins and, of course, uh, Spielberg's other produced feature. Yeah, well, he directed it as well. Um, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which I don't know if I can ever rewatch again. Like, you open with a musical number? <laughs> a Chinese version of Anything Goes sung by steven spielberg's wife 
<laughs> oh, just such other, uh, but uh, those two movies, you know, with uh, the entire heart ripping out sequence in Temple of Doom and, you know, decapitating gremlins and such. Those were the reasons why there was a PG-13 rating developed that year. So, um, yeah, so needless to say, I shouldn't have been watching it. I shouldn't have seen it at four. My parents should never let me get the Hardys. That was a promotion they had with Hardys. Um, they had little records and storybooks for Gremlins. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah, I think I saw some on eBay just looking around or somebody suggests, one of my sellers suggested it, but I digress. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I guess I'm not into the sanitation of Halloween. Like, oh, yeah, there's the horror movies for people, but let's make sure the kids get the get the share of the monsters. And no, no. <laughs> No, you don't get to go and like even Monster Squad. They had some intense scenes in that one. Like, no, you don't get to spay the monsters. Zombies should not be a musical if unless it's uh Anna versus the Apocalypse, which is a British Christmas musical about a zombie apocalypse. And I mean I've seen I've seen a and I've seen Song of the Dead, which eh, it could have been a lot better. But uh, um, so, yeah, you want singing zombies. They should there should be some viscera displayed regardless. <laughs> like, do they even have a I haven't what I'm only maybe a quarter of the way through the fifth season of Walking Dead. Um. I don't even think they have a Halloween up. Do they even have holiday episodes? Like I have not seen one. Yeah, that's like no. And it makes me wonder how real holidays are, especially when you watch uh The Nightmare Before Christmas. Like this is a pretty much a I would say a pro science and uh perhaps atheist feature. Like in a way, I can eh. see that. Yeah. I mean, even even, you know, Jack Skellington's relying on science at one point. <laughs> to, That's uh, true. Figure out, he's what... to figure out what Chris Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to figure out what Chris is and he he, and he... studies the scientific method. <laughs> right. At and one point. Yes, and he's putting mistletoe under um a magnifying glass. He's reading all this go ahead you're reading all the stories about santa sandy claus which i'm surprised he if he really paid attention to those books he would have figured out oh it's not sandy claus (laughs) (laughs) um but i mean he just like this movie states that holidays are just fictional war i mean just separate worlds that invade for 24 hours like i mean i don't know how you have like christmas i get and i guess you can say easter it's all pagan stuff really um easter easter being a fertility festival christmas being a pagan 
Um, well, I don't know. Because they say when they were pretty much setting the ground rules for Christianity that no, Easter, uh, Easter should have happened at Christmas and Christmas should have happened. Basically, you're not going to get knocked up in the middle of winter. Well, no, you're not going to, you're going to get, you're not going to want to give birth during the middle of winter. Well, it's not like she knew. It's not like she had a plan. It was God's Uh, plan. (laughs) Okay. All right. So there was a plan though. Like, I mean, it, 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 is he a freaking sadist? I mean, you know what? I got to throw a little Job in here. Really make her work for this. Uh, you know, what the Greeks would just say is rape. <laughs> With her, Zeus and all the stuff he did. Zeus is not in the Bible, is he? No, Zeus is not in the Bible. I don't. I didn't they, think so. No, I'm saying, yeah, but the first gods were the, at least in the Western world, were probably the, uh, well, the Western world were probably the Greek gods and, and the Romans. Yeah. And uh, I mean, those gods make a lot more sense. Like they really came up with, with, uh, with gods who were, Based to explain something that's why there's so many of them and humanize them all while god the god is supposed to be the man in charge and is totally unrelatable i mean the closest thing we got was jesus and then it's like oh sheesh i mean it's uh really need to show you the did i ever show you chasing amy yep okay then so yeah, there was the entire scene where he's describing how uh, Brody was ki- oh Banky Banky was uh, called a c-word by a c-word rag by a nun because he was calling bullshit on the entire uh, you know Father Son and Holy Spirit being one thing. So, um. And people didn't really relate to Jesus or he wouldn't have been crucified if they did. <laughs> so, um, but I, I digress about that. So it's, um, so, you know, rewatching it, uh, I really almost think it's more of a Danny Elfman's movie in all, all honesty. He and did he, come up before. Yeah. Well, it, it's a musical, like, do we ever really care about who directed Pink Floyd's The Wall? It's Alan Parker, but I didn't. <laughs> My older sister keeps track of that stuff. No, it's Pink Floyd's The Wall. We're here for the music. Um, I mean, you gotta you gotta go totally out there, and I don't. And when your composer is totally out there to begin with, I mean. The first real Oingo Boingo song that really caught my attention. I mean, I know they did the theme to Weird Science. Um, and Oingo Boingo was Danny Elfman's band. Uh, was um, a song they did for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 soundtrack. And now, I missed that one in my research. 
Well, I mean, it's it's a. I'm not, we're not talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, and I'm disappointed that it's not. It's just a few minutes too long, and I am considering to get guests on the podcast to like. Well, if there's no end credit sequence, then obviously it should qualify. <laughs> but I haven't really gotten a got you around. Raised, what you raised, you've raised the minute season before. <laughs> I raised it to 99. I can't I can't put it over a hundred. That's that's um but um it really like watching this, it's kind of like, okay, what are 80 gothic performers? And granted, Oingo Boingo was more weird than it was gothic or emo uh or um You know, I mean, music to slit your wrist too, I suppose. Um, yeah, so it kind of makes you wonder, well, could I get a Morrissey musical? And a, I don't know what that would turn turn out to be. I mean, uh, or at least... I know, a... that, uh, I know that Danny Elfman did a lot, does a lot of Tim Burton's movies. Yes. Um, I I the, know he did he did like at least four or five of them. Uh well, he did. Let's go back to I mean there's the original uh Frankenweenie um that Tim Burton did. Uh but then his first real day, the movie that got it, people's attention was Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Danny Elfman did the score to that. Then there was I and then the next one was Beetlejuice. Danny Elfman did score to that. Then there's Batman. Danny Elfman did score to that. Batman Returns. Uh, Edward Scissor's Hands. I would bet my left nut on that one. I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he's actually done all of Tim Burton's movies on really need to get myself get rid of one tv just so i can uh, have a good computer station um so let me see well he did the score to charlie and the chocolate factory and corpse bride uh okay danny elfman's soundtrack that's a little too extreme because that'll bring up all his individual songs uh composer all right oh the forbidden zone that was actually oingo boingo's movie so peewee big adventure uh beetlejuice oh he's kind enough to do the score to big top peewee hot to trot (laughs) scrooge (laughs) uh batman Dick Tracy, Darkman, Edward Scissor's Hands. So so far, all of Burton's. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay, so Mars Attacks. So I think, yeah. Mar- yeah uh, Sleepy Hollow, another Burton. Planet of the Apes remake. 
Um, Charlie and the Fat Chocolate Factory, Corpse Bride. So he didn't do Ed Wood. I can say that. But that's that's, I think probably the biggest passion project to Tim Burton's. Um, Ed Wood is regard is lovingly regarded as the worst director, producer, actor of all time. Um, Ed, uh, I haven't watched Ed Wood. I have it on my. I purchased it on iTunes, but it's basically Johnny Depp as that director. Um. Oh, and this director loved to get in, loved to wear women's clothing too. Maybe so. Uh, Ed Wood, the uh, yeah. I mean, Ed, uh, there's so much. There's so much reason I gotta watch Ed Wood. I mean, it's got Bill Murray as a transvestite it's got uh george the animal steel uh that's a little old for you wrestling wise but um probably one of the best names out of detroit uh when he got the wwe well when it became when vince mcmahon jr bought it from vince mcmahon senior uh he kept george the animal steel on the card but he really went in person made him live to the animal gimmick so and for kids kids loved it um you, uh so george Steele would dye his tongue would would dye his tongue green um he would lick stuff and then he'd always eat a turnbuckle okay yeah, he would just go to a corner and just grab, rip the turnbuckle off, just start, rah, 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 rah. you see the cotton and stuff flying out of it. What um, is a turnbuckle? In a wrestling ring, the turnbuckles, they're, well, I should say turnbuckle pad. So the rings are, so what hold, what connects the ropes to the rings are the turnbuckles in the middle. So there's, okay. so there's 12 turnbuckles, four for each rope. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and like I'm sure you've seen it in wrestling matches, probably when somebody takes the pad off of the uh, the corner so they can slam somebody's head into the bolt that the pad's protecting. Oh. Um, I don't know. You watched SmackDown? That was. <laughs> did you watch SmackDown last night or? Um, it was on, but I uh, was at class. Okay. Well. Uh, I just was in another room. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess they didn't really say anything about it, but last weekend's pay-per-view extreme rules, uh, it was demon Finn Balor versus Roman Reigns. And when you, when both guys are laid out after a spear through the barricade, Finn Balor's heartbeat to his music starts hitting and he starts reacting to it and eventually he goes like just invincible puts reins through a table throws him back into the ring is about to do his double stomp and then you hear a crack and the top top rope just falls with him on and it's like what the hell happened like you had something like it was just so awful like you had something so cool like no it's ridiculous like oh the finn balor paints himself and is de- and makes him become an actual demon and that's what they were selling and then no no he can't survive a four foot drop off a, t- off a turnbuckle um, so 
yeah, it's re- really, really, um, but so, uh, but back to, so we pretty much had defined that Danny Elfman has been alongside uh, Tim Burton for damn near ever. I mean, yeah. I, I, I had a guy want, oh, I want to do Batman. Well, we're not, Batman's a two hour movie. No, but if you want to get to Batman, like my uh, ghost, my episode about Caddyshack and Meatballs, which was basically just a way to talk about Ghostbusters, you know, as long as we'll we'll talk about Danny Elfman and Tim Burton, like, and then we'll get to Bat Batman, or you can use Batman Mask of the Phantasm to so use the Batman theme. It was the uh, an, an animated cartoon, early '90s, really good. Um, so, yeah, then um, my so Danny, I just I'm just saying it's like when you think West side story, you think Steven Songheim, you think, uh, or at least I think Steven Songheim and Leonard Bernstein, I don't think about who directed it. And I'm sure it's quite the accomplished director. I mean, hell Spielberg's directing the remake this year. Yep. <laughs> December is when it comes out. All right. Nope. Not that one. Okay. So the original was eh, Jerome Robbins. That's not really anybody I yes, know. Yes, it is. <laughs> what? Yes, it is. Jerome Robbins is a very big name. <laughs> We're gonna oh, argue about. Well, that. okay, I'm not a musical person, like. But again, okay, let's go to Evita, which was directed by Alan Parker. Um. No, everybody talks about Andrew Lloyd Webber's and Tim Rice's score, I think it was. Probably. Yeah. So, like, like, I really think the, I think, so going through this, I'm really thinking it's more Danny Elfman's movie because it's totally dependent on his score and the songs. Like, I'm sure there's a version of this movie. Like, I haven't seen Corpse Bride, which... Uh, was actually directed by Tim Burton. This again, yeah. it, mm-hmm. this was only based on his story. Um, I read the, that mm-hmm. actually started as a poem. Yes, that's what I'm. Um, he said that he was like watching Halloween decorations being taken down and Christmas decorations being put up, and that inspired him to direct, um, to write the poem. Okay. For Christmas. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. Got my notes. Um, yeah, I was more worried about like, oh, next next year's Halloween will be better than is w- what what Jack is planning on doing after he bollocks up Christmas. Um, and it's like, I mean, you guys the mayor was wanting the planet 365 days ahead. You've already lost two months. Is it really going to be that good? So, I mean, stay in your lane is what the, I don't know. That is something that kind of gets me about the feature is okay. Jack Skellington's basically tired of being goth. I mean, you know, he needs a, 
he red needs, suit. <laughs> well, he definitely needs a change. Uh, he needs something. He needs some inspiration. In all honesty, and um, so I just find it funny that this is such a goth. You know, goth people are like this was kind of the perfect fusion of awkwardness in the nineties. Basically, so I guess you could say it brought the goths and the theater kids together. <laughs> but I mean, how goth really was it? Like Nine Inch Nails is the downward spirals just a year away. I mean, the entire Chicago scene um, of industrial music through wax tracks. I mean, this was a really kind of. I mean, it gave, in a sense, I guess it's kind of like how people really appreciate Eeyore uh, in the sense that Eeyore is always sad, but that shows you that it's okay to be sad. And I guess A Nightmare Before Christmas shows you it's okay to be death obsessed. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I would say, I wish I could say it was about death obsession, but no, it was basically, I think, more about, oh, we could be weird. I mean, we're being encouraged to be weird. And that, there's nothing wrong with that, but um, I don't know. Maybe it was growing up with the fandom of it that kind of kept me away from the rewatching it. I mean, I saw it in the theaters, I listened to the soundtrack, and but you know, oh, well, I guess I'm just not a, like I'm not really a holiday guy to begin with, as you know. And it's like I don't like once. So, is it really a holiday if you don't get a day off? <laughs> yes, because <laughs> you get to dress up at work. <laughs> Oh, really? Come on. The best costumes you got to have your face covered in. Hey, <laughs> so. thank, 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 thank the terrorists. You know, can't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I just, I just find that, especially going through my Facebook feed, you know, October 1st. Well, hell, you see it as early as September. Okay, summer's over. <laughs> Let's plan for Halloween. It's like, oh, I mean, I, I, it's just something that's in your, I guess Halloween is in your face when it comes around. And I guess Nightmare Before Christmas fandom is like in your face all year, all the time. Um, like, oh, I mean, the movie said it's okay to, you know, celebrate Halloween after October 31st. <laughs> I, it's just like, I guess it's something when you see a fandom develop. And from me being a nerd, obviously, it's like, oh, these guys, and me being old and righteous. <laughs> Obviously, these kids aren't doing it right. (laughs) So maybe that's why I kind of got um, almost a little burnt out without actually having to having 
that must, I mean, rewatching the movie, I guess. Um, I don't know. That's just my thoughts. Like why it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a, I mean, I was looking for stuff, honestly, to fault it. Not like I can really say, well, maybe the technology wasn't up for it. I don't think 4K does zero any favors. You kind of see the effect is not as uh, strong. And so much of it takes place at night, but the skies are just black. So you don't really, you know, it definitely feels very isolated. Yeah. But, you know, I really need to rewatch Coraline. I took, I never really actually can say I've watched Coraline. I've probably seen every scene of it when I was uh, taking care of Stephanie's uh, kid, Miette, when, you know, I think she was three at the time. And that was just the movie she kept putting on. (laughs) Yeah. So. um, So, yeah, it's. um, But Coraline is obviously Neil Gaiman and the director of uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, Harry Selznick, I think it was. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Yep, Harry... No, Henry Selick. Henry Selick, yes. Um, So, but you watch this movie, and it's kind of like also, like I kind of wish Beetlejuice and Batman Returns had not have ha- been shot and filmed before this, because you really don't need to see Beetlejuice or Batman Returns if you watch The Nightmare Before Christmas. It's really, I, I guess, another thing I have about it is like this is prime Burton aesthetics all in one place it's just the one stop to go and it's like maybe i want to go to those other features yeah you can definitely tell it's a tim burton movie well yeah i mean i mean there's so many things like the snake snake like oh that's straight from beetlejuice and never mind the winter i'm sorry the stripes oh yeah stripes uh, a lot of worms and stuff snakes um but a lot of non-traditional characters yeah but upon watching it this time i finally realized it's not lock stock and barrel it's a uh, lock shock and barrel uh <clears throat> And I think Danny Elfman's Barrel, uh, Paul Rubens, Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman, is uh, Locke. And um, uh, Catherine O'Hara put a uh, put in a Kath, sorry, Kathleen O'Hara uh, did double time on this one. No, Kat, yeah, Catherine O'Hara. Uh, from the second city and i know she's probably going to be remembered more for schitt's creek now um, well and the uh christopher guest movies that yes. she did oh and and the and of course home alone 
I mean, she was the big early uh, late 80s go-to actress, it seemed, because of Beetlejuice, of course. And Mm -hmm. then this is probably her most subtle performance, though, in both roles is uh, Sally and uh, Shock. (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely not her, you know, on edge about the, you know, yell something. Like, right. The, right. Like, yeah. Oh, what did we forget? Uh, I forgot the garage door. <laughs> Kevin! <laughs> uh, that's kind of what she, I think she got known for. And I, I've really only watched uh, one of the guest movies. And that was um, For Your Consideration. Which, okay. which is a, uh, again, it's an improv movie about a um how a little independent film is oh this is i'm sure you're familiar with the term oscar bait actually no all right so you know how all the oscar movies come out at the end of the year mm-hmm. well oh they bait okay. right they're yeah they're just they're just there to like oh it's an important movie it deserves recognition <laughs> So it's basically the before the movie is even finished, Oscar buzz is dr- going around it, the cast. Um, and it starts out as a little play being adapted to a film called Home for Purim. And Purim is a Jewish holiday. And so as Catherine O'Hara is getting recognition, like, oh, this is going to be my break. And uh, Parker Posey eventually is. And you got Hank Azaria as another cat, cast member who's uh, basically it's all everybody's going, getting so excited. And eventually like, all right, if we want to get the Oscar, we're going to make this uh, get those Oscar nominations. We're going to make this more. um understandable by the public so let's call it home for thanksgiving (laughs) um so you got michael mckeon is one of the playwrights and he's like ah (laughs) one point christopher guest is the director and like um no 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 what no no here you that's not what's in the script script chief you know what don't think about the script (laughs) um so cat but yeah so you get a lot of the Catherine o'hara hamming hamming it up stuff and i think i don't want to give away any spoilers on that one since you haven't seen it uh it does give you fred willard though wearing a um really gelling up his hair like he's um john tesh if you remember your uh entertainment tonight host and stuff (laughs) vaguely yeah yeah so yeah now fred fred willard should not just have his hair up and gelled um i think he's probably best known for fred willard's probably best known for his line about and best of show can you imagine in some countries these (laughs) these animals are delicacies (laughs) um He's also in Wally as the president who sends everybody off on the spaceship. <laughs> Basic when a uh, lot of stuff. Bit player, rest in peace. Um, 
Yeah, I I can't really say kept track on what Christopher Guest is doing. I, I mean, it, it it's weird when your parents are at retirement age. <laughs> like, you know what? They might just be knocking this shit off, man. <laughs> they don't have mm-hmm. to work. I think we should have had at least one more Mel Brooks movie between today and Dracula Dead and Loving It, which definitely is his weakest feature that I've seen, but eh, it's got its moments. I don't know why you think Leslie Nielsen should be Dracula. That was the biggest problem with that feature. Well, come on! <laughs> Look, it, Leslie Nielsen has looked like an old man since 1980. <laughs> <laughs> like, Vampires can be old. <laughs> I'm not saying they can't be, but I'm just saying you're you're kind when you're trying to draw parallels to a movie where Gary Oldman was the vampire. <laughs> you're you're just like, oh, it's a it's a slapstick um laugh a minute comedy. Tack Jerry L- Leslie Nielsen name that'll that'll make bank. It's like you know it's it's like no, it Mel Brooks's name is what will sell what will sell the movie. <laughs> like I love Carrie Ellis, but and I could definitely and Carrie Well Ellis is a Robin Hood in tights is a good idea. But if you don't put Mel Brooks's name ahead of it, <laughs> it's not gonna draw me in. Like maybe if they somehow like you know, Mel Brooks was just as prolific a producer as he is a um, director. Maybe Disney should have thrown some money his way just to put some executive producer credits on it. It's like when um, Bloody Arachnophobia came out. And, I, and you could even say uh, The Goonies and uh, Gremlins. Steven Spielberg presents. It's like okay he read the script and he got the crew together but that's about it i mean goonies is directed by richard donner uh gremlins is a chris columbus script directed by joe dante um i didn't even look to see who actually got the script credit on uh on the nightmare before christmas story and characters adaptation no he just they just took his they just took this they took the story and characters otherwise he burton didn't write the script or um so this is kind of in the same vein it's i mean yes it does hit all the burton points to tribute it's a tribute to him and i kind of think this is might have been like um acknowledgement of what's are things to come because he has Ed Wood and then Mars attacks Mars attacks. I do need to rewatch. Some people say, Oh, it's gotten better. And I'm like, I was getting a little, I think it was getting a little worn by the time, how many times I'd seen it. Um, but after that, and my older sister's very big, I'm pointing out, he's just become a director for hire. Like Tim Burton? Yes. Oh. 
Like, well, I mean, I have not seen any of the Alice in Wonderland stuff, and I've been talking to co-work my coworker at who's obsessed with Alice in Wonderland. I'm not really a fan of Disney's Alice in Wonderland. There's some elements I love. I love the Cheshire Cat. Um, I mean, as a guy who loves the Matrix and can't wait for, you know, they might get my ass out to the theater to see Matrix uh, Resurrections. Um, I don't know. As long as it's going to be on HBO Max, it's like, I don't necessarily want to spend the twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I I know it helps, but still. Um, so liking the so White Rabbit is something big in the Matrix, you know, down the rabbit hole, all that stuff. Um, so I've picked up a bunch of the Funko Pops, the pot smoking caterpillar. The I I keep trying to figure out where i can put a 10 inch cheshire cat i can't find the small version of it but <laughs> walmart's got plenty of the large one <laughs> um and i finally got the so i got i mean i got i mean alice in wonderland basically there's there's some great elements but i don't think it works as a movie and I've never had any inspiration to go and see Tim Burton's two adaptations. Yeah, I haven't seen them either. And I mean, Helen Bonner Carter as the Red Queen, that sounds interesting. I mean, I mean, Stephen Fry is the Cheshire. There's a lot of stuff that's good, but it's just, again, this is like, do I really want to dedicate the two hours to? Um, it might be something to see. It may. He tells a story. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> That's the problem. Like, since, um, yeah, since uh, at least Sleepy Hollow, it doesn't feel like Tim Tim Burton's making Tim Burton movies. I guess. Um. Uh, Mrs. Pe- Miss Miss Perquin. School for children. Uh, yeah, that that was good. But, I mean, you know it's an adaptation, so it's like, just doesn't feel like his, I guess. Oh, so you think you need to do something more original? I don't know. I mean, I mean, the fact of the matter is he really hasn't. He's done Frank and Weenie. I thought his Charlie and the, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was good uh, in its own way. But this is coming. Let me let me just go and preface that with uh, this is a guy who liked Ghostbusters 2016. So <laughs> I don't know if that really qualifies me or not. Um. So it's uh. But Planet of the Apes was just such a like such a kick in the balls, and Sleepy Hollow. I mean that was it had. Well, it had Christopher Walken as the headless horseman, but I mean, how much Christopher Walken are you going to get out of that performance? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, uh, and it was a story that's been told, I guess. And uh, I've heard good things about Big Fish. Um, 
and um big eyes is another one that seems interesting that was uh with um amy adams and christoph waltz about a female uh true space on a true story a, a woman painter whose husband took all the credit Ah. Yeah, but she was known for drop making uh paintings with huge eyes as her mark. Sounds good. As long as Christoph Waltz gets to be Christoph Waltz, it should be yeah, it should be good. Mm-hmm. If you can recall who Christoph Waltz is. I know who Christoph Waltz is. Okay. Still- I'm sorry. Alita. What? He was in Alita. Oh, Alita. Okay. That's the film that comes up to you. He's won two <laughs> o- he won two Oscars and t- for doing Tarantino. Right? He won one for Inglorious Bastards and he won one for Django Unchained. Ah. And a lot of people complain that yeah, but he's only playing Christoph Waltz. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> you're you're looking for the uh I think he's I want to say he's actually Czechoslovakian or he's Austrian. He's not German, but um, I just hope he's in the new James Bond movie because he didn't get killed off in the last one, and uh, definitely should do more with him. Um, so let me go through my notes. Do you have anything that really stood out to you? I mean, I haven't really asked you what you really feel about the movie. Um, Oh, we haven't even talked about the Oogie Boogie Man. Oh, you see, that was one of those, when I was researching that a little bit, it was kind of creepy that, oh, this is the guy who was the big lift alligator in um, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Yeah. It's like, oh, I mean, hell of a performer, uh, Ken Page. Yeah. But it's like, I just, um, he was old Deuteronomy and cats. Okay. I know. He's, mm. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm looking over his filmography right now. Yeah. And he was in eight minutes behaving on Broadway. Right. Uh, I know he's in dream girls. His song really stood out. Like, oh yeah, I mean that's that's his go-to. Yeah. Um. Yeah, cats. Old Deuteronomy. Uh, hey, let's see. He was on the show. He did a voice for Duckman. If you remember that show. Ha- no. Okay, no. it was on. It was on USA. It was their first attempt at a edgy cartoon um jason alexander as duck man private dick slash family man hmm. yeah yes yeah i remember now mm-hmm. so so obviously he's definitely more of a theater actor though because he's not that old uh younger than my my mom and uh but he's only really been at 30. He's only got 32 credits on IMDb. So definitely not uh, as prolific as a bunch of uh, um, for, you know, an Anglophile like me, like all, 
Englishmen don't turn down work. Like, <laughs> so, um, let's see. Let's see. Address the fan base, the crappy Halloween that's going to follow. Uh, very atheistic. Well, when he was doing, I just, the thing I wanted to talk about, uh, when you cut open a teddy bear, <laughs> is that a dissection or a vivisection? I mean, you, you, you want to believe the teddy bear is alive at some point, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't really think I have. Uh, the only other thing I could, I, I'd like to bring up is I'd like to suggest um, to my listeners, uh, not necessarily to you. I don't think you would dig it. It's a uh, Japanese movie called uh, Ichi the Killer. Uh, it's from the um, prolific director Takashi Miike and there's a um, character in it he's actually the um, lead of this movie I tried showing you and somehow I found a DVD copy at a disc replay of the last man on earth the the last the last life I'd have to grab the box but um so the lead actor pretty much broke out internationally from his performance in uh, Ichi the Killer, who's and these characters are is a yakuza enforcer and a super masochist, and his mentor at one point, like now this is a soccer hooligan thing or a football hooligan thing, um. I don't know if you'd ever heard of a uh, Glasgow, a Glasgow grin, uh, Chelsea smile, <laughs> which is basically where you, um, basically one way of doing it is you uh, put a credit card in somebody's mouth, have them bite bite down on a credit card. So the so basically just with his front teeth, so the credit card is standing out. You can see the mm-hmm. edges, and then you punch the guy in the gut. And as he opens his mouth to get air, the credit card cuts right along the uh, edges of his mouth. So yeah. you get a you get a scarring on those two sides. Yeah. So. And I never noticed this before with Sally. Um, she's got the same, she's got her, this from the ends of her mouth, she has sewn, sewn into her cheeks. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, and then there's a scene, well, there's a scene when she sneaks out by jumping out of her window. And that's like how the, uh, and Itchy the Killer the uh, character dies <laughs> and he's just laughing the entire fall, but he's got the same, but basically he's got, he's using safety pins to keep his mouth together. <laughs> so just a weird twisted thing. I mean, uh, as I say, I love itchy the killer. I know they keep people say, Oh, I can't wait for an American uh, remake. And it's like, you can't have an American remake where, the titles like 
the title comes out rises out of our lead characters come (laughs) it's a real oh it's such a just over the top violent movie um let me see just trying to find that actor's name the last the last life in the it's last life in the universe uh the actor's name is Tadanobu Asano and uh they do some great stuff with the fact that he that his mouth can kind of be extended at one point he somebody tries punching him in the face and he's took all his clips out his um safety pins out <laughs> So he basically opens up and lets them lets the punch go right into his mouth, and then as the guy pulls his hand out, oh, rips a lot of the flesh off. Ah, uh, so if somebody would like, I I know it's not really a horror movie still, but if somebody would like to talk about uh, Ichi the Killer, well, I don't. It, it is long, so too long for ninety for chill, but. Uh, if you can find a 90-minute Takashi Miike movie, <laughs> send an email to rustthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-0-7 at gmail.com. <laughs> I'd love to chat about that one. And uh, just to let you know, um, we can go and push this uh, closer to Halloween, this episode drop. Um, I have got a guest for another episode to record so it's a horror movie called stage fright that might be something up your alley alley uh, <laughs> um it's a italian slasher movie um feels a lot like a giallo movie uh giallo is an italian uh crime crime murder genre um but it basically so uh this play that's gonna run out of money a musical that's gonna run out of money based around a serial killer in an owl uh costume um looks like they're gonna be down on their luck they're one of the uh act the lead actress hacks skips out on rehearsal to get her ankle looked at and at the hospital they go to which they were just looking for a doctor to take a look at her ankles. They actually go to a mental hospital where somebody escapes, uh, kills, kills somebody. And then they like, well, no, we can just go and rewrite the script a little and make it about this guy. Not knowing that he's in the, uh, he's hiding out in the theater and they're locked the entire theater for the night. (laughs) So lot, very creepy. Uh, as I say, it might be up your up your lane because of the theater element of it. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, uh, some of the violent, I mean, graphic 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 violence. I wouldn't say scary, but uh, yeah, if you're not you're not into gore, it might be uh, might not be your thing. But I've gone through my notes. Um, so, what do you have to offer? Stuff you want us to know. You said you did the research. I did do some research. Um, well, my favorite quote was from Santa because he goes, "Time to Christmas." Of course, there is. I'm Santa. <laughs> that was my favorite line in the whole show because that poor guy got pushed around a lot. And he didn't get scared at all. <laughs> oh, was, 
great. I don't know. I did not like him killing the last. My bugs, my bugs, my bugs, my bugs. <laughs> You're Santa, man. This isn't robot chicken. He gave them snow, though, after at the end. He said Merry Christmas and yeah. happy they exchanged. He was very tasteful. <laughs> I oh, don't know. My- I, I kind of. I don't know what the why the kids were all like. I don't. Maybe I've just become way too jaded. If I get a shrunken head in a basket, like you know, I guess the problem with this is it could encourage Satanism. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's that much ritual sacrifice in Satanism. I have not looked into it. Um. Philosophically, they seem pretty. Uh, like, I don't know. It's like basically, you know, all all Satan did was ask why. That's that's why I'm not. You know, that's why it's kind of like not that cool with God. You know, it's like he just asks questions. It's kind of like. We all love um, crawl it crawly and uh, good omens, <laughs> and he he's only a demon because he asks questions. <laughs> um, which really comes back to the fact that you know the next feature that well, Henry Selleck did direct um, some other features before Coraline, and I'm not. Uh, um, one was the uh, adaptation of James and the Giant Peach, which just doesn't work. Uh, it's not one of Raoul Dahl's best best stories, anyhow. I think is the general consensus. Um, really, that's about all there was between here and well, he did the movie Monkey Bone, which deserves a rewatch. I'm going to say. Um. Like it, I think this probably had more to do with killing uh the lack of success of this feature probably had more to do with the uh uh decline of Brandon Fra- Brendan Fraser than the sexual harassment. <laughs> uh nobody walks out of this movie well. Like at least not immediately. Um Bridget Fonda was in it. Chris Catan, you know, nothing's really happened with him. A lot of hell of a cast I'm looking at Monkey Bone right now. I, I didn't think it was absolutely horrible, but it's a very weird movie about a Brendan Fraser is a cartoonist who's ends up in a coma and he's in a world where he's basically um the only person he can really relate to is his character Monkey Bone that he created. And it's basically a big conspiracy from the characters to steal like oh when they wake up i'm the one who's actually overtake the body so he wakes out of wakes he gets imprisoned with people like stephen king <laughs> like i can't remember what character took over stephen king <laughs> that he wrote like edgar Allan poe was replaced by the raven <laughs> and in this little comatose world and then uh like, oh my god, that's scary. Oh, you're such a pussy, Steven. 
so it's it's got potential i think i saw a copy of it disc replay but um i mean it's hell got as i say hell of a cast when you really look at it just um i don't know chris Kattan is weird in it but chris Kattan's usually weird um but yeah so that's basically i'm surprised he got to that so after two misses because James the Giant Peach, I think, is a definite miss, and Monkey Bone was a financial flop. <laughs> um, you get to. Um, um, my, the only other point I wanted to make uh, mm-hmm. was that um, "Long Live the Pumpkin Queen," the sequel to "The Nightmare Before Christmas," is due out in July of two thousand twenty-two. Okay, that's interesting. Yep. You know, we didn't really talk about, um, I know we talked about Danny Elfman, who did all the singing for um, uh, Jack Skellington. Um, as I say, he was the front man, at the very least, of Oingo Boingo. Uh, we didn't talk about Chris Sarandon. Uh, True. Yeah, you know. We, Princess Bride. Yes, Princess Bride. Well, he's probably best remembered, I think, for Fright Night. The original Fright Night. Uh, I haven't seen it. My mom loved it. I know he's in Child, the first Child's Play as well. Um, and I know he's the reason why Susan Sarandon's last name is Sarandon. Um, which is kind of... I really wish he would have had more to say back at um, Wizard World. Because <laughs> we saw that panel with him and um, Carrie Elvis talking about the princess bride mm-hmm. so um yeah i mean uh, i don't know it's like i'm taking a look at his all filmography actor like all right there's game let's take I mean, it didn't. He really didn't work that much. I mean, up to uh, Princess Bride, and then Fright Night, and then he's kind of, uh, yeah. I can't really say. I mean, there's some good old Cinemax late night movies. I think he was in, but. <laughs> Now, Bordello of Blood's the last thing I remember it being in. Um, so, but yeah, there's that. So, I get, um, but I was going to look at the uh, Pumpkin Queen long live. You sure that's a thing? Because I do not see it coming up on ID IMDb. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe a book. Oh, well. Okay, this is an audio podcast. Starts talking about moving pictures. Like you can't expect that out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, granted, like, I mean, if you want to, I love writing. So if you want to. Um, 
follow, see what I have to offer or even inquire about my uh, Z-budget zombie comedy based around profession, independent professional wrestling, Main Event of the Dead, visit maineventofthedead.com. You can drop me an email, wrestlebus07 at gmail.com if you want to uh, offer suggestions on how to get out of uh, developmental hell. If they could make three ultimate deathmatch movies, there's no excuse. Um, and yeah, so you can uh, just do that with the email address, or you can follow me on Twitter at catbusrus. That's at c a t p u s r u s s. And uh, just uh, as I say with my Twitter, that's where I want all the hate stuff to go to. If you if you don't hate the podcast, give it a five star review on your favorite podcast app. Subscribe. <laughs> Help me with the algorithm there. Hate me on Twitter. <laughs> so, um, Ali, all you got really going on right now, I guess, would be the um, the uh, show at the... Um... There's a show at Metalview Church yeah. um, for November. Right, right. So that's that on uh, Duncan and... Right between Duncan and Windsor. Uh, Kirby, it's on Duncan between Kirby and Windsor. Um. I can attest to that. Hopefully you'll find the square. You have one of those probably still. If you can't find the fire stick, you'll have the square. <laughs> the, square <laughs> the square is probably in there, but of course you have an iPhone now, so it's not going to work. <laughs> but um, uh, yep. Yeah, so Ali's accessory shop on Etsy. That's A-L-L-Y-S-A-C-C-E-S-O-R-I-E-S s-h-o-p if you want to type that in on etsy to find her get yourself um you probably got plenty of scarf still oh yeah uh any toques any i'm sorry oh i was just using the canadian term for a stocking hat <laughs> toque of course yes <laughs> i have things crochet and some many jewelry items as well all right so okay well as i say we'll try to drop this a little closer to christmas so um if you want to watch stage fright i mean you're going to be picking up another fire stick at some point i know that (laughs) um tubi actually has a stage fright um on there i mean if you can get past the first murder i think you'll be all right (laughs) um (laughs) And uh, yeah, or you can borrow the DVD. That's another one I paid ten dollars for at Disc Replay. Like, that's the problem going to Disc Replay. Like, oh, buy three, get three, and it's like, yeah, no, the three. Like, I'm looking for the odd ones. Like, I keep thinking, maybe do I grab Damn Yankees? It's like, th- think that's fifteen dollars. I think they got one of Cocoon. That's ten dollars. <laughs> um, so my biggest problem is I will take the store credit when I can get it. Like I was uh hustling for an extra twenty dollars this week. Didn't expect the you know, when you're buying marijuana, you do buy by volume. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Skimble, for being my uh 
being a resource. <laughs> like, how am I going to come up with twenty more dollars? <laughs> oh, I got him cat food. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, first skim. <laughs> <laughs> he gets. He gets the what? It, it helps. Believe me. <laughs> um. So all right. So. Thanks for coming back to 90 for Chill the Podcast, Allie. Um, again, Allie's accessory shop on Etsy. Real problem right now is I can't really do trash feature review because I don't really have a lot of horror in the stack. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I want to get through the A to Z. Mm-hmm. Real challenge was finding an X. I did find one, though. A Japanese kaiju movie, actually. So if you uh once you get that fire stick, HBO Max, the X from outer space. <laughs> so uh as for my audience, thanks for coming back. Thank you very much, Stacia Harden, for uh being an inspiration and keeping me going and everybody else who knew you. Uh thanks again and have yourselves a good night. Bye. Can I hear a wahoo?